Hey, Kansas City, you're listening to Real Humans by Gina Kaufman, a weekly podcast from KCUR Studios. On this episode, artist Roger Shimomura is about to turn 82, and his takedown of anti-Asian stereotypes is as relevant as ever. A couple weeks ago, the class of 2020 finally got a commencement ceremony at KU. A year ago, commencement was delayed because of the pandemic, and then on May 16th, they had to reschedule because of rain. But it finally happened in a virtual event on May 23rd. Most of the grads in the class of 2020 are probably wondering how they'll make their mark on the world. But not artist Roger Shimomura. He's made his mark. He's actually made lots of marks. His artwork has been collected by a long list of museums. We're talking the big ones, like the Met and the Smithsonian. And now he's got an honorary doctorate of the arts from KU, where he taught for 35 years. I've been thinking about Roger a lot lately. The week doesn't go by that uh, I'm not asked where I'm from or, uh, gee, you speak the language really well. The presumption that if you're... Asian, uh, you must be foreign. The last time Roger and I spoke on the radio, we talked about his childhood. He was born in Seattle, but when Executive Order 9066 legalized the imprisonment of Japanese Americans in 1942, Roger was sent with his family to a place in Idaho called Minidoka War Relocation Center. He was three years old. Minidoka is what most people call an internment camp, Roger calls it something else. He calls it an incarceration camp. Internment camps is really a misnomer uh, because it, it plays down the severity. So the word internment had previously been used to describe some kind of temporary isolation for medical purposes. Roger says that locking people up indefinitely because of their race is really not the same thing as that. It was primarily a way of of softening what it actually was. Right now, in 2020, we're in a frightening moment of our own. And Roger doesn't do interviews anymore. But what we are witnessing has everything to do with the tensions and bigotry he's been trying to show us for more than a half century. Roger has been saying in pictures what mainstream American discourse is just now starting to find the language to talk about in words. In a series of prints called American Citizen, which they have at the Spencer Museum of Art at KU, a little boy plays inside what looks at first like a comfy middle-class home. The scenes are practically Norman Rockwell-esque. The nicely dressed boy rides a scooter, reads a book, gets a birthday cake with three candles on it, and then you notice it. Barbed wire through the window, which, now that you're paying closer attention, is awfully small for a window. In some of his paintings, he mixes stereotypically Asian characters like samurai warriors and objects like rice cookers with iconically American stuff like Disney characters and blonde starlets, white picket fences. It's all mixed and matched in a dreamlike jumble. In Super Buddha, the artist superimposes his own head onto the body of Superman. And as he puts it, the image asks the viewer a question. Does Superman have to be white to be complete. Roger still makes art every day in his Lawrence studio, and a lot of that artwork goes back to his childhood, those years spent at Minidoka. Of course, he was very young, so he backs up his memories with research. 
I've always been afraid of expanding upon the few memories that I do have. All of this is sort of cross-referenced by a diary that my grandmother kept, not just for the camp years, but for 56 years of her entire life in this country, she kept a diary. And a lot of my memories were corroborated by what she said. Roger didn't become an artist with the intention of exploring Asian-American identity. In fact, as a younger artist, he made work that fell totally in line with the pop art movement. Think Andy Warhol or Roy Lichtenstein. It was mostly a reflection of his experience as an American with no hyphen. But when he got to Kansas in 1969 to teach at KU, he says he found himself in a, quote, foreign country. Suddenly... He was Japanese as far as anyone around him was concerned. People routinely asked him how he learned to speak English so well. It was during this time that he made his first painting referencing identifiably Japanese imagery. He put that painting in a group show along with a few others that depicted Mickey Mouse, Kentucky Fried Chicken, things like that. At the opening, someone at the gallery came up to him to say how much he loved that first one. The guy said he liked that one because it looked like what Roger should be painting. This person, a total stranger, excitedly called the painting a homecoming, even though the other paintings had much more to do with Roger's actual home, America. Could you start by telling me how you became friends with Roger? Well, (laughs) I've known Roger since uh, the mid-70s. That's Lawrence artist and hairstylist Marty Olson. He's Roger's collaborator and friend, and he still cuts Roger's hair. Marty says that although Roger's relationship with Lawrence has been rewarding, it hasn't been easy. To hear his stories, you know, it's been a sort of love-hate relationship. You know, his first encounters with people that lived here were not pleasant. Roger has had an amazing career in Lawrence, and he's accomplished a lot not just as a painter, but as an educator. Still, according to Marty, that initial friction hasn't totally subsided. He's fought very, very hard to straighten things out with, you know, especially Caucasian America. I just, and I think it's just been a constant battle for him. He's made his art a pretty powerful weapon, I would say, in in his fight for recognition on so many different levels. But Marty points out that Roger stayed in Kansas even after gaining a kind of status in the art world that could have taken him just about anywhere. I think that's part of what I admire about Roger, in addition to his art, just that he has committed himself so fully to telling his truth in ways that are both unsettling and beautiful. And not just in Kansas, he's gone all over the country talking about what he calls his camp series. On the West Coast, where he's originally from, people were pretty familiar with the history he'd experienced. They'd grown up on firsthand accounts. But in other places, the story of what happened to him at the Minidoka Relocation Center came as a shock. When I went down to Jackson, Mississippi, uh, no one believed me. Uh, No one believed that this happened because it wasn't in their history books. Uh, and uh, there are parts of Texas, the same thing. That's why he's still at it. In the year of quarantine, Roger made so much art that he was able to mount a solo show in Seattle in February. It was called 100 Little White Lies. To 
be able to continually tap into that sentiment and that reflection, I think is brilliant. And I, I can't imagine anybody doing a more thorough approach. In some ways, like with the whole idea that history is written by the victors, he is he yeah. has certainly done his part to rewrite that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. They have not won yet. <laughs> as long as he's out there swinging, he, you know, he's still a force to be reckoned with. Thanks for listening to Real Humans by Gina Kaufman. It's based on a column I write for kcur.org. Barb Shelley edits the column and Mackenzie Martin produces the podcast. The music you hear is by Blue Dot Sessions. You can subscribe in all the usual places or just stream our weekly episodes at kcur.org. This week, I also want to acknowledge the contributions of Jen Chen, who produced the archival material I went back to for this episode. And if you haven't seen Roger Shimomura's art, the written version of this story has lots of images courtesy of the Spencer Museum of Art. Over and out until next week.